Jesus said, Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were put around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Millstones, of course, are those huge, round-cut rocks with the hole in the middle. They're used to grind grain. They are not to be used for neckties. That is not their purpose. However, Jesus indicates here that they can, in certain circumstances, have that purpose. Consequently, the title of this homily is How to Keep from Getting a Millstone Necktie. Now, Jesus says here explicitly that leading others into sin is the underlying problem. So obviously that's where our focus needs to be this morning, on the ways that we can lead others consciously or perhaps even unconsciously into sin. One way certainly that this can be done is through our actions. We can lead others into sin by setting a bad example for them or by bringing them into situations where we know they will be severely tempted to do what's wrong. And since this is our monthly youth mass, I should mention one particular example of this would be teenagers who take their friends to parties where their friends will be tempted to drink and engage in other immoral activities. But another way that we can lead people into sin is by our words, by the things that we say, by the instruction, the advice, the counsel that we give to them. And that's the point I challenge you to reflect on today. What kinds of things do you say typically to others? What kinds of advice? and counsel do you give on a daily basis to your children, if you have children, or your grandchildren for that matter, or to your co-workers, or simply to your friends? I think that last one is especially important for you teenagers since your friends are usually at the center of your lives. Are you telling these people the right thing? the things they need to hear, things that will really help them, as Scripture says, things that will lead them closer to Christ, closer to His kingdom? Or are you telling them things that will lead them in the opposite direction and get you a millstone necktie? Consider some of the quote-unquote Pearls of advice that are frequently given in our culture these days, sometimes by well-meaning people and even intelligent people. When they say these things, they think they're helping others. They think they're helping their friends. But they aren't. They are actually harming them by encouraging them or at least giving them permission 
to sin. For example, here's a line that you have probably heard before. I certainly have many times. All religions are pretty much the same. They all basically teach the same things. If you have said that to someone else, you have potentially led that person into sin. Because, perhaps unknowingly and not intentionally, you've given the person permission to shop around for a religion that he or she finds appealing. And since we all like to take the path of least resistance, that's the way we are, we're human beings, we have a fallen human nature, since we all like to follow the path of least resistance, religions that appeal to us are usually the ones that condone immorality. New Age religions, for example, are very popular these days precisely because they reject the moral code that we call the Ten Commandments. They preach a gospel, quote-unquote, that says, do whatever you want. Live however you choose. Or how about this saying? How about this line? Everybody's doing it, so don't be too concerned. That kind of advice, given all the time, can make a person complacent in a sin they've already committed. And that's terrible, because they need to be repentant, not complacent. Oh yes, I know I've done it, but since everybody's doing it, you tell me everybody is, I guess I don't have to repent, I don't have to worry about it. Or if you give that kind of advice to somebody, you make that person more likely to commit a sin that they've been able to avoid so far. Well, since everybody's doing it, if I happen to later on down the road, it won't be any big deal, I guess. Or how about this line? Very important on this Respect Life Sunday. It's your body and you should be able to do whatever you want with it. As we all know, since the 1960s, that line has been used to justify everything from contraception to abortion to now physician-assisted suicide. Consequently, since the 1960s, that line has obtained millstone neckties for a lot of people in the United States. But not only in the United States. People say this all over the world. Or how about this one? You don't need to go to Mass every week. Sometimes you've got other things to do that are more important. Believe it or not, children, a lot of them, come to me in the confessional. When I hear them in school, when I hear them for our CCD program, and they tell me, because they are brutally honest in the confessional, God bless them, they tell me that their parents use that line on them all the time. Sometimes nearly every week, except for Christmas and Easter. Another common saying with a similar message is this one. You don't need to go to confession. You don't do anything wrong. Besides, you're not as bad as so-and-so down the street. He's the one that really ought to be in there for hours. 
Or how about this one? I hear this all the time. I read it in print a lot. The church is old-fashioned. Variations of this saying, and there are lots of those, are, well, the church needs to get with the times, the church needs to update her moral teaching, whatever. That line can lead people into sin. And it should be obvious how that can happen. You see, if the church and what she teaches are out of date, then obviously you can tune out the church. You don't have to listen. You don't have to pay attention. When the Holy Father says something, go in one ear and out the other. No problem. You can live by your own set of rules. Or how about this one? Even though it's bad, you can handle it. It won't affect you. This is the line that assures people, and put assures there in quotes, that they can view pornography on the internet, or abuse alcohol or drugs, and then stop whenever they want to. Yeah, it's bad, but you can handle it. It won't affect you. It won't put bad thoughts in your mind. Don't worry, you can stop the drinking whenever you want. This is also the line that assures teenagers, and this is what brought it to mind for this homily because we talked about this two weeks ago in youth group. This is the line that assures teenagers that they can listen to songs with vulgar lyrics, and there are lots of those out there, and not be affected by the bad messages contained in those lyrics. See, teens tell each other this a lot. Oh yeah, I know it's a bad song, but you can handle it, don't worry. Besides, you don't even listen to the words. You just like the beat. Sure. One more. One last one with a little different focus. Worry about yourself. Be concerned about your own needs. Forget about others. They can take care of themselves. Jesus says in Matthew 25, whatever you do, for the least of my brothers and sisters, you do to me. In that chapter of the Bible, Jesus makes it very clear that we will be judged at the end of our lives by our charity, as well as by our faith. The problem is, if you follow the advice of people who tell you to worry only about yourself, you're not going to be very charitable. You won't care about anybody else. And that sin, if it's serious enough, can have eternal repercussions. The title of this homily, as I mentioned a few moments ago, is How to Keep from Getting a Millstone Necktie. Well, at this point, it should be clear. To keep from getting a necktie of stone, we must not lead others into sin, either by our actions or by our words. And we have to be very careful about the latter, because our words are very powerful. By our words, we can do great things. We can lead others to heaven, point them in that direction. But by our words, we also have the potential to point others to the other place. But Father Ray, I've said some of those lines you mentioned 
a few moments ago. I didn't really realize what I was doing. I've said some of those things to my friends, my relatives, my co-workers. I thought I was helping them. I've also said other things to them that have encouraged them to do what's wrong. Well, you know what? That's a problem. A very big problem, according to Jesus, according to what Jesus says in this text from Mark 9. But I do have some good news for you, and I will end my homily on this note. It's a big problem, but it really has a very simple solution. And the solution is twofold. Step one involves a conversation. The conversation I'm referring to needs to begin with these words. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. And it needs to include this line. I ask God's forgiveness today because I have said, and perhaps I've even done things that have led my friends, my brothers and sisters, others, into temptation and into sin. Step two comes after that. It comes after we've been absolved by the priest. And it's just as important as step one. It involves going out and trying to undo the damage that we've caused, to the extent that that's possible. Sometimes it's not, but other times it is, especially when it comes to our children and our friends. That means we have to Admit that we were wrong. I know that's not easy to do. I know that by experience. Look, I don't like to admit I'm wrong either at times. Nuh-uh. Fallen human nature is what it is. But we have to do that. And we have to make the effort to correct the things we said. Yes, it's hard. It's definitely humbling. But in the end, it's extremely rewarding. It's rewarding because it helps us to get rid of our millstone necktie for good. And it's rewarding because it puts us and those we love squarely on the road to heaven, which I have been told is a place where everybody has beautiful, long, flowing, glorious white robes and nobody wears neckties.